0: recording on this computer. All right. Greetings. This is Dr. Susie Harris, and you are listening to Next7, a podcast that is focused on three simple ideas, access to clean organic foods, clean water sources, and result-oriented functional health care to ensure that we leave our next seven generations with a world they can thrive in. So today I am so excited. I have my friend and mentor on the show, Wendy Halley from Lucid Path Wellness in Montpelier. Hello. Hi, Susie. (laughs) Mentor, huh? You really are. Yep. So you're a licensed mental health clinician, a veteran practitioner of the shamanic healing arts, and you're the host of Lucid Cafe podcast. Did I mention author of several books? You're busy over there. Yeah, I I, (laughs) It's kind of crazy how busy I
1: make myself
0: I the one thing that I love and it's it, I kind of of course lifted most of this off your website um, <laughs> the, kind of, sounded familiar yeah <laughs> I thought, so I thought man, you could probably put some time in writing this up and just use it um, your unique approach though merging ancient and contemporary traditions and then being grounded in the idea that we're our own best healers we're going to talk about that later um, 20 years, over 20 years of clinical counseling experience. So the holistic perspective informed by the rigorous discipline of your shamanic training. Um, It seems like I should drop in here too, your personal and professional experiences around the energy genesis, which is uh, uh, an energy healing thing that we're gonna talk about. That's something you work with. Yeah. So I just there's so much you're doing over there that is so holistic, and this podcast of mine is trying to show people the functional healthcare practitioners that are around and what they're doing. So welcome, and thank you for being here with me.
1: I am so happy to be here with you.
0: Yay. (laughs) So before we dive into the details of your work, um, I wanted to kind of pick through a little bit of the path that you took to get where you are now. I'm not even sure I know. Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in the Hudson Valley in upstate New York, although, you know, everything north of New York City is considered upstate.
0: That's what I understand.
1: Yeah. So I actually wasn't that far away from New York City. I think it was an hour and a half drive or so. I gotcha. So outside of Poughkeepsie, I grew up.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I took a train through there once.
1: That no, was beautiful back in the day. Um, now it's kind of really overdeveloped, I think. But mm-hmm. there's, I think there's still a lot of natural beauty in the area.
0: Awesome. Did you know when you were young that you wanted to work in the healing arts?
1: No, I didn't. Um, my first dream was t- I wanted to be a rock star. And then my second dream was to be a writer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so nothing to do with healing arts. That didn't come in until later in, in uh, my early adult life.
0: Do we have any footage out there of you in the rock star <laughs> attempt? <laughs> no.
1: Nothing? No. <laughs> no, uh it's just a it was just a yep, uh one of those childhood fantasies.
0: So how did you end up figuring out you wanted to do the mental health counseling piece?
1: Uh, well, that story um <laughs> that story takes us back to um <laughs> This is not something I talk a lot about because it doesn't it wasn't my favorite time in life uh-huh. but I was um I was in the military hmm? I was um in the air force to be specific wow. back in the mid 80s and um I went in because I uh was hoping to be able to find a way to afford college hmm. um I'm I'm actually the first person in my family to get a college degree, and and, and so nobody knew how to have the conversation with me back then of how, to, how do you even apply to college. I didn't even know what to do, so a buddy of mine a year ahead of me had joined the Air Force, and he called me while he was in, and he said, I'm taking classes for free on base, and I was like, ding, I'm Sounds going good. to join the Air Force because he was in the Air Force. Um, so I figured I'll go the same route as him because it seemed to work for him. Um, my parents thought I was insane for joining the military. Um, I probably was, I'm not a, uh, I mean, I'm not a classic uh, military type mind. <laughs> um, so, which which is what caused the issue when I was in. Um, we would, at that time, wartime it was in like i said i think i said the 80s and um <laughs> we would play war games and one of the war games we would play is uh chemical warfare so we would have to wear these wow. outfits these charcoal lined outfits and a full gas mask with a hood wow. and i'm a wee bit claustrophobic and then they were talking about during the training they were talking about how the the when you when you suction the face the the face part of the gas mask on <laughs> mm-hmm. that your gums can bleed from the the pressure wow. and and that just freaked me out so i was like hell no and i i remember in this very dramatic fashion i got the thing on and i just didn't like the way it felt i could you had no peripheral vision and i flipped the thing off my head and sent it across the across the floor
0: that's a big
1: <laughs> and no. it's very drama- i was i was intentionally trying to be a little dramatic Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to do this and I didn't like the idea of going to war. I really was really hoping that while I was in my four years that we would not go to war because I did not like that idea at all. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so uh, they ended up sending me for a, a testing to see what was wrong. Why couldn't I wear a gas mask? And so they sent me to, They they. I had a, bun, a battery of uh, physiological tests to rule out any physiological reasons. And then they sent me to a shrink. And that was my first exposure to uh, psychology and I'm sitting there chatting with this guy and um, really nice fellow, nice, nice older gentleman. And um, I was thinking, this is kind of cool. I, I like the whole, I like the exchange. I like the the, the content of the conversation um, and it got my attention. And so that's what started me on my, uh, my studies of psychology and my interest in psychology. Long, awesome. long answer. Sorry about no, that. No, I like it.
0: It gives me a picture. I love it. Yeah. So that's, that makes sense. So that was like an attraction to you saw the, the value in that exchange. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. It and, seemed like a cool job at that time. You know, I was 18. Yeah. Right you might meet other people who would flip their gas mask off and want to help them out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I would
1: know exactly what to do and say in those moments. Yeah.
0: So what about the, uh, the shamanic work? When did you start bringing the creativity of that into your style?
1: Gotcha. Well, that um, I would say it, it kind of happened to me rather than me pursuing it.
0: (laughs) Mm, Tell us about that.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll try to make this story short as well.
0: (laughs) We've got this is, time. Let's hear
1: it. Okay. Um, so I had finished gra- my graduate studies in clinical psychology in 1995, and then uh, a couple years after, I was just kind of getting my uh, my clinician sea legs about me, and uh, in 1998, I had a series of spontaneous visionary experiences. And the the first one (laughs) was very trippy. Um, It was, let me just add that there were no drugs involved. This was a very sober experience. um, And I still really haven't tried any kind of hallucinogenic drugs because I don't seem to need them. I seem to be able (laughs) to access this (laughs) realm without them. Um, Uh, But I will put in a plug for how excited I am about the possibility of psychedelic assisted therapies for folks Mm -hmm. in the future. Um, Anyway, uh, what what had happened, I will give you the cliff notes, is I was living in Denver, Colorado at the time. It was a Saturday morning. I was awakened by the sound of my neighbor's lawnmower. I have really terrible eyesight, so I opened my eyes and squinted to see the the time on the digital clock, the alarm clock, and saw it was 7.57. And I was like, what? You should not be allowed to mow your lawn on a Saturday morning before 8 o'clock or before 9 o'clock or before 10 o'clock in the morning. And I, I heard his kids playing. Um, they were having a good time, laughing and such. And I was like, I want to go back to sleep. And so I closed my eyes. And immediately, I was looking out of the eyes of someone else. Well, and so I, um, uh, I was kind of going through this process of what's happening? I'm I am I awake? Am I dreaming? Am I asleep and not aware that I'm I, I just it was all kinds of confusion, but I was really engaged in this narrative that was playing out um, that didn't seem dreamlike it seemed it seemed very linear and more real than real um, where I, I I was I looked down I saw this woman's body she was young she was Caucasian uh, she had messy hair and I knew that there was something wrong with her emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, just that because she felt very flat, but I felt a lot of anxiety too. And then I realized she was in shackles and she was being escorted to her execution in the electric chair.
0: What?
1: So there was a guard on either side of her and um, yeah. Uh, so I ended up again, making a long story short, I ended up going through the death experience with her. Wow. And, um, <laughs> and, and, yeah, it, but in 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 the process of that experience, that visionary experience, I kept checking out to see cuz my rational mind was like over on the side uh still it's kind of criticizing or uh, critiquing rather the experience and and trying to make sense of it and I would I would I would kind of check out like focus on my rational mind for a second and my experience like um and ask questions like Am I am I awake right now? And then I would listen for the lawnmower and the kids playing, and that would be my cue that no, this is I am awake. I am definitely awake. I would I would open my eyes just a slit, and I would see the sunlight the sunlight from my uh, bedroom window coming in the room, and I was like, no, I'm I'm definitely definitely awake. And then I would close my eyes again, and I would be a little bit farther along in linear time in the visionary experience. And so um, that was my first introduction, although I didn't tell anybody about it uh, because as a clinician, according to Western psychological standards, you know, I was, (laughs) I was seeing and hearing things that weren't there. So um, I just, I only told my now husband, John, about the experience and I didn't tell anybody else about it. And then some years or months later, um, I found myself at this, this uh, I guess you would call it a wellness center in Denver. I was looking for a space to hold a workshop and I was checking out this particular space. And I said, what do you guys do here? And they said, we have a shaman. Ooh. And I said, very uncharacteristically, I said, sign me up for a session. Uh-huh. I couldn't afford to see the shaman. So I saw one of her apprentices and laying on her table. As soon as she started burning sage, I went into another visionary experience and, um, Uh, but was able to kind of give her the blow by blows as I was seeing reporting to her, what I was seeing, my throat was closing up. And that's a whole other long story. I've had a history of, of choking dreams, like maybe three, four times a week for years and years and years, I was having these choking dreams. And then in this visionary experience, my throat was starting to close up in a similar way Um, based on, I was going through another death experience in the vision only this time where in the first one with the uh, electric chair experience, I did not, that woman did not seem familiar to me. In the next vision, the person did seem familiar to me.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Um, That's amazing though. Here's you going through this stuff and you don't really have anyone experienced around to help you ground what the heck is going on. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It wasn't until some years later that I was able to make sense of it when I started uh, I I did a little bit of study. I studied with that woman who called herself a shaman at that wellness center for a little bit, just and learned how to start doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but then I, we ended up moving out of Colorado, and life got really complicated at that point because I had already opened these doors, and uh, I started going into this this really I guess you would call it a dark period where things started to fall apart as, and I didn't understand what was happening. No, like everything around me seemed like it was falling apart. There was only one good thing that was happening at that time. And it was my relationship with my now husband, John.
0: Yeah, he was like gone. the one
1: the one solid thing because yeah. everything else fell apart.
0: So this really shook your world around.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it it most definitely did. And then when I later on started working with Hank Wesselman Who's written some amazing books. Um, the Spirit Walker Trilogy is his first series of books about, about his visionary experiences. Uh, I started studying with him. I actually dreamed of him before I met him, which it seems like I've had these uh, nighttime dreams of very important men in my life. I've seen them in my dreams before I met them. Awesome. <laughs> and Hank, Hank was one of them and then uh, started studying with him. And Without him knowing it, he was helping me to understand what was going on in my experiences. Yeah.
0: So you how long were you fumbling around inside of this experience before you met him? Um probably three years. Yeah. And then did you did you get it when you met him that he was gonna be like helping you ground this and, and understand what this was?
1: I was very excited about the possibility. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed like it, it I, I don't think I had the um, the ability to say that this is definitely like I am on my way. I just felt very excited and it felt very magical. Um, yeah, it, and it felt right. I felt like all right now I'm, I feel like I'm coming home. That's what it felt mm-hmm. like. And all along in as a clinician in, in the mental health world, I was already feeling like, there's something I'm missing. I'm not. It doesn't feel like talk therapy, although I think it could be very beneficial and wonderful for helping people develop insight. That I just, I just felt like something was missing. And then when the shamanic piece started to kick in, that's when I was like, "Oh, I think this is the thing I was, I was looking for." And uh, yeah, all these years later, I'd have to say, yeah, that was <laughs> that was probably the thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think this would be a good time to, like, give people an idea, like, excuse me, if somebody wanted to come, if they had some uh, issues they wanted to move around in their life, and they came to see you as a practitioner, what's the, uh, like, so if I'm coming for some counseling and guidance, your style of rolling out this approach that you have, how would that, what would that look like?
1: You mean for sh- shamanic work, if somebody came for a shamanic healing session or counseling? That's
0: true. You have people come just for the mental health counseling and coaching, and then you have people who come just for the shamanic. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I
1: purposely keep those separate. Okay. Yeah. Um, just because they're they're very different. Very different. Um, yeah. So what would be helpful to talk about then, knowing that they're separate?
0: Well, I guess... I guess I'm, I was super, I've actually had some sessions with you. I, I was super um, interested in taking it, like you said, a little bit further, like the cognitive experience of working through, you know, areas that you're, I, I'll speak for myself, like areas that I felt were stuck in my life that I just wanted some movement and I couldn't quite get my arms around it. I feel like getting out of my head and into a more uh, journey-like space so you can open up, maybe other information can come in for you to consider. Um, So I think I came to you for the shamanic stuff, a couple of sessions. Yeah. Um, Do you want to explain what a shamanic session is like? Sure. Um, So uh, what I can say
1: is that I, I kind of have these two different tracks. There's there's folks who come to see me uh, for a healing session because, like you said, they might be feeling stuck. That's that's a very common word people use when they're um, when we're doing a little pre-session discussion. They, they talk about how they're feeling stuck, um, and and maybe have tried lots of different things, and they feel like they aren't able to access it. The stuckness. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's folks who come and want me to do healing work on their behalf, and then there, uh, are my my uh, not so secret wish is that everyone become their own shaman. Mm-hmm. So um, this other track is is me teaching people how to access the dream time uh, for their own benefit, so that they can get to uh, know the the depths of their inner worlds and and connect with allies in the dream time, the spirit realm, whatever you want to call it. Um, But uh, understanding that sometimes we can get in our own way. So even if you learn how to do shamanic work on your own, it's kind of hard to do your work on yourself because you get in your own way (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you might have your own kind of biases. So when people uh, for a healing session, it's me doing it on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And when I say me, I don't mean me. I'm not actually the one who's doing the healing work. I'm just taking someone's request for healing from this reality, this physical reality where you and I are having this conversation on your amazing podcast to a different reality, which is referred to as the dream time, the spirit world, non-ordinary reality, non-ordinary reality, or non-physical reality. They're all different names for the same place. And in this other place, um, the Shamanic Practitioner, connects with helping spirits or allies who actually are the ones who do the healing work or give information. So the shamanic practitioner is just bringing someone's requests for healing from this world, the physical world to the dream time world.
0: Mm-hmm. And your work with uh, Frank, Hank,
1: Hank, my buddy, Hank,
0: your work with him is where you learned some of the, I guess the skill sets to go in and be able to bring that to the spirit world and exactly and bring that back for people to kind of make their own judgments of what it means.
1: Yeah, yeah. What, what's interesting about that is it. So I learned some real foundational shamanic techniques like extraction and um, power augmentation. It's reconnecting people with personal power. Um soul retrieval or soul catching. Uh, but then as my practice carried on and I developed these relationships with these helping spirits who are these healing helping spirits that are on my team,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they started teaching me other techniques, awesome. which is, which is what's so badass about this practice is that um, <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're accessing this other wisdom um, that's, yeah, coming from this other place. It sounds kind of bad shit, which is why I, <laughs> I, I've i been embarrassed about the work I've done for so long um, and kept it very much under the radar because it does, I mean, especially as a mental health clinician, it. I know how it sounds.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. I have to, I hear what you're saying there and I think I don't know. Like, there's something about widening the lens, like that whole feeling of stuckness, I think is because we're being too cognitive and three dimensional.
1: Yeah, we're in our heads for sure. So, yeah, yeah getting by that, you're just reminding me that I never really answered the question
0: what <laughs> that you, what was it? I that you asked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like, what, what happens? I mean, a, the, a healing session, like the content of it. Um, so, we have a, a conversation up front, right? About what the, your area of stuckness. And then um, I take that, you, so the person coming in for a healing session, it's their session. So they're telling me what their focus is, what their hope is. And then I take that request from this world to the other world and, and share it with my helping spirits. And they're the ones who will go and do the work. And I'm the observer. And so every practitioner is different. So you, you talk to 10 different shamanic practitioners, you're probably going to get 10 different um, versions of how a healing session will work. But for me, how it works, and this is going to sound dramatic, and I don't know how else to put it, but I end up perceiving the landscape of your soul or your essence. And it's mm-hmm. complex. There's lots of layers to it. And underneath the layers is the truth about you And the layers, to me, represent all the bullshit we've come to believe about ourselves throughout the course of our lives. Um, So whatever the focus of the healing is, uh, we ask that layer to rise to the surface, and then we dive into that layer. And because, in essence, shamanism, uh, the practice of shamanism is you're in an altered state of consciousness, so you can access the dreaming of the person that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, I'm dreaming while I'm awake. So I'm perceiving a narrative that's playing out in symbolic form. Mm -hmm. And so I might see symbols that represent negative belief systems or emotional stuckness or trauma. And so my helping spirits will step into the narrative and they'll start interacting with it directly. And so they may take elements out that aren't serving the person, which is called extraction. They may move things around, um, but a big hallmark, as I mentioned before, of shamanic healing is power augmentation, reconnecting people with personal power that they've lost over the course of their lives.
0: Mm. I love that. I I think I'd asked you before we came together today um, your opinion of the single most important action a person could do to make a positive impact on the world. And your answer was heal yourself and reconnect with your personal power, which I think is amazing. Like, I think I've heard you say, if you've been on the planet for more than five minutes, you <laughs> are lose some of your power based on what's all around you. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So the regaining your personal power piece coming from a lot of the shamanic work and then this heal yourself, one of the things I love about your work and what you bring is this energy medicine the egenesis yes want
1: to talk about that I'd love to talk about that That's the reason why I opened the wellness Center in Montpelier is for that that uh, device it is um, it's very different from shamanic work where shamanic work is working on at the level of consciousness and all the patterns that play out in your consciousness the energy Genesis is working at the level of the energetic realm so mm. it's vibrational medicine it's a chamber it's a giant chamber that you recline in and there it's very simple <laughs> in that it's just speakers and light bulbs that mm. are co- painted the colors of the spectrum so you have light frequencies and you have sound frequencies in this giant wooden chamber Uh, which is akin to being inside of a giant musical instrument like a cello or a grand piano. And when you're in this giant chamber, um, the light and the sound work together, create a resonance and your body entrains to it. And then you start feeling your body drop down into relaxation. And then um, what the research has shown is happening to you when you're in there is your your autonomic nervous system starting to reset and balance. And then your body goes into self-healing mode and starts working on stuff on the physical level, the emotional level. And then you also, uh, as a byproduct of the experience, you start uh, detoxing as well, mm-hmm. just very organically.
0: Yeah, I've had a couple of sessions in there with you. And I still am amazed at the depth of healing that's occurred for me in some of my own health uh, stuff that I was just trying to tweak. And I, you don't even really know. You're super relaxed in the chamber. And it's just this beautiful energetic space when you go into that healing parasympathetic mode and then it kind of unpacks over a few days I I think
1: it does it totally
0: you process it for for days afterwards Mm
1: -hmm. if you do a single session it's like three days
0: Mm -hmm. do you have any um I know you can't share too much info because it's private what people are doing there but do you have any stories to share of different, I don't know about conditions. You don't have to share a story, but like, how do you see this eGenesis helping people's health? What have you seen?
1: Well, what I love about it is that um, because of the way it works, uh, there's no human intervention involved. It's just your body's wisdom that kicks in and can start doing what it really wants to do, but can't because of the level of stress and tension we carry in our bodies because we're in that sympathetic <laughs> nervous system place. A lot of the time we don't even realize it. So it doesn't matter what your diagnosis is. You don't even have to have one. Um, mm-hmm. Some people come just to deepen their meditation experience because it's totally cheating. <laughs> oh, but uh, most people are coming because they're either wanting to manage their stress level or they do have um, some physiological things going on. So just to give examples of people who've come uh People who are recovering from a surgery uh, it, the, the, the process of doing that can help, I guess expedite your your healing after a uh, surgery. A lot of people with chronic health conditions, um, especially autoimmune related disorders like, like Lyme, uh, mm-hmm. fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, people coming in um, to uh, yeah just calm their nervous system down so their body can get a little a little, uh, a little boost. Um, That's kind of the
0: the premise behind it, right? Is you're in there and it's just regulating your nervous system, letting you get into that autonomic balance. So things start writing themselves.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't have to be physiological too, like people with post-traumatic stress Mm -hmm. um, also do extremely well in there. I mean, it, it really doesn't matter what your, your diagnosis is. The only um conditions that i wouldn't advise getting in there uh with are let's see uh, congestive heart failure because of the amount of water you have to drink after a session
0: mm-hmm.
1: um you don't want to add more fluid to your system is my understanding when you've had when you're having uh congestive heart con- heart failure um and uh um, um, um oh, you don't want to be actively uh, psychotic. You don't want to be having a psychotic break and be in there as well. That's not a good idea. But pretty much everything else is, is uh, it's great. It's just, it's so nourishing. And uh, it's a really cool experience. It's kind of impossible to describe. It's a marketing issue for sure. Yeah. You have to just have, you have to have the experience in order to understand. And then you still won't be able to really put
0: it into words. It's hard to get it into a box. Indeed. <clears throat> Speaking of which, well, you have a podcast also. The Lucid Cafe. I do. Yeah. What had you put a podcast together, Lucid Cafe podcast? What had me do it? Yeah. What was your purpose of of putting? Because it's a lot of work. It is.
1: Um. Uh. It. It's kind of a. There's a couple of reasons why I did it. Um. I was. It, I like to to be able to offer uh my my client base something uh that's beneficial that they don't have to pay for um i was doing this for uh, for 10 years from 2008 to 2018 i was offering this monthly gathering i called it the chaos discussion to kind of prepare for um the chaos yeah. <laughs> by teaching people like i would bring my drum in we do a shamanic journey and we just talk about how crazy everything was on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um and uh and it just it just organically sort of fell apart after 10 years and I decided it was time to do something else to offer something else so I decided hey how about a podcast and my undergraduate degree a third of a a third of my undergraduate degree was in um video and print journalism so it was like going back to that time and uh like all the skills I learned around editing and, um, and producing and reporting uh, I was able to apply to the podcasting world. And so it just seemed like, Hey, that would be fun to do. And because of technology, right. I mean, look at you, you're doing it. Yeah. I think there's like a, a zillion shows now when I was, when I started, it was, and that was only three years ago or a little over two years ago. Um, I think there were a total of 700,000 shows. And now I think they're probably people are dropping about that many a month, wow. like, like new shows. Isn't that crazy? I know. Just, it, I don't know, pandemic or what, or just because podcasts yeah. are so cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a really great way to give people a place to plug in, learn some things. Absolutely.
1: There's, there's, you can find a podcast on pretty much any topic. Mm-hmm even knitting. I I don't know how they do it. I haven't listened to it, but I know there is a knitting (laughs) podcast.
0: It reminds me of that Saturday Night Live skit where the, um, I think they were making fun of like maybe an NPR moment where they were like, "Hmm, cooking. Yes. Soup. Mm -hmm. Soup is good.
1: I remember that. I think Alec Baldwin was on that. (laughs) They did it
0: a couple of times, right? It was silly. Yeah, Yeah, it was
1: good. They did their NPR
0: voices. (laughs) So how are you doing? Am I picking your brain too hard? No, no, I I think I'm good. Good, okay. (laughs) Um, I I guess the question is, uh,
1: how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I just absolutely love the work that you do. And I'm so thrilled to be bringing this out for people to hear about it as a possible for themselves or somebody they know that might need what you do. Um, your, your writings as an author, that's how I first learned about, well, some friends told me about you. And then I picked up your book, Slaying the Mouse. And that was such a great book. Um, That's a trippy
1: little story. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Do you want to talk about it? Uh, sure. Sure. It's, it's,
1: um, it's a book that captures my nine month experience with a young man in a coma. Mm -hmm. Um. Actually, I should say my nine-month shamanic experience with a young man in a coma. Mm-hmm. So I was in New Jersey at the time, and he was in a hospital in uh, Phoenix. And I had never met him physically before, but I connected with him um, in the dream time over like maybe three times a week over that nine-month period um, as he was trying to uh, make sense of his experience. And uh, it was a profound learning experience for me it was early in my apprenticeship as a shamanic practitioner Mm -hmm. and uh uh, like i I learned things like the difference between healing and curing from that experience Mm -hmm. and um it really is kind of to me like a hero's journey it's his hero's journey i i I call him jason in the book it's not his real name i changed his name Mm -hmm. um to protect his family's identity but um yeah, it's it's a very very powerful experience mm-hmm. uh, that he goes through.
0: Yeah, it's a great book if anybody wants to pick it up called "Slaying the Mouse." What is the difference between healing and curing?
1: <laughs> well, what what my allies told me in that in that time was that everything can be healed, but not everything can be cured.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think that means? What I heard and maybe because I read your book was um, you can heal your experience and interpretation of what's happening, but it doesn't mean you may not die or you may be walking with a disease that is uncurable, but you can heal your heart and your essence and walk still with power and joy I love it. If you don't feel well.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's exactly what I think they were intending to relay to me. And I was hoping to relay in the book. That's just one piece of the book. But, but it's, it's such a powerful message because I think, I mean, I was super naive when I started having the connections with this young guy. Because um, I went into it thinking like, we're going to cure him. He's going to come out of the coma. He's going to be great. And uh, it doesn't necessarily work that way. And um, yeah, so, so I mean, sometimes our, our lot in life is that we have to, we have to come to a place of acceptance, I guess, of the, of the, the things that uh, are not necessarily pleasant or um, easy. Mm-hmm. like, I guess the suffering, like there's just a, there's a degree of suffering. So how are you going to be in relationship with that suffering? Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense?
0: It does. I mean, I feel like it just lets a person reclaim themselves and their valuable life if things aren't exactly where they want them.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the ideal is that you you could come out a hundred percent out of a, a really horrible experience, but you know, some people are born with things that they, you know, it is what
0: it conditions,
1: is. Conditions, yeah, that they they have to accept. Like you and I both wear eyeglasses; we have to accept that we have shitty eyesight. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just a, driving that's a stupid <laughs> stupid example. I know, but but no, that's but... that's a small example of what I'm talking about. It's like,
0: yeah, it, I get you though. Yeah. So what prompted you to write the children's book, Inside Out?
1: Oh, that was one of those experiences that just sort of dropped out of the sky, the story. I was just sitting in my backyard in Denver at that time, and all kinds of stuff was opening up. Like it was not long after having that initial visionary experience. The story in its entirety just dropped into my brain in one fell swoop, and I just sat down and wrote it really quick. Uh, quickly and um, it was pretty magical. The whole the whole process uh, was able to find a publisher, and they put out really beautiful children's picture books mm-hmm. of a of a kind of spiritual or metaphysical bent. And um, yeah, that came out two thousand three,
0: long time ago. Yeah, what's the storyline?
1: It's about remembering. That you um, have that your spirit lives in an apartment in your heart.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so the idea is to remember to live from the inside out, not from the outside in.
0: Oh man, that's great. And this was
1: way before the the movie came out, the kids' movie, right? Is it a Pixar movie or Disney? I can't remember.
0: I never saw it. I I guess I don't know that one. Yeah. Well. I am just so happy to talk to you and get all this information out into the airwaves so people can uh, plug in to some of what you're doing over there, the things that you have learned. Is there anything else you want to bring to this today? No, this has been
1: wonderful. I, I'm so thankful to have been a guest on your show.
0: Oh, well, I'm going to say thank you so much for joining me for real. And um, if anybody wants to reach you, how do they do that?
1: Um, well, website, lucidpathwellness.com. Uh, of course, you can check out Lucid Cafe on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I would I would recommend checking out my Susie Harris episode as well.
0: Yes, I did come on yeah, your we, podcast. We yeah, had a we,
1: good time we yeah we went pretty deep
0: we <laughs> <laughs> it got metaphysical it came out and got physical oh yeah it was it was a it's a good
1: episode so yeah lucidpathwellness.com or uh, check out lucid cafe awesome. or both
0: all right and just a reminder this podcast next seven the purpose of this is to bring to people's awareness the importance of organic food availability for everyone, clean water, and having you on today, Wendy, is of course the functional health practitioner piece, um, making sure all people have access and awareness of functional health practices. Um, I just am so grateful for your work on the planet and so close to us in Montpelier. um, Right back at you. Yeah, we're taking over the world. (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks for joining us and tune in again next time thanks so much wendy thank you